You're listening to Ask a Goldminer, the show designed to help you and your organization get better at tactical sustainment, provide training tips, and engage in meaningful discussion to help train the force. On this edition of Ask a Goldminer, we talk changes to the National Training Center, discuss the new expeditionary reception, staging, onward movement, and integration process, ways to get your SSA prepared for operating in a tactical environment, maximizing your battle rhythm, and home station training opportunities. And with that, let's get after it on this episode of Ask a Goldminer. Hey, so for the group, uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is an initiative uh, that's that started a couple of years ago uh, that was predominantly podcast based, uh, utilizing exit interviews from key leaders uh, that had just completed rotation. So the BSB commander, sergeant major, XO, SPO, maintenance tech, and, and a lot of those are uh, still stored and available for you to listen to in a podcast format. Uh, we're recording this one specifically because we want to be able to capture it uh, and then share it for folks who weren't able to be here, or you can reference uh, if it's something you see uh, of value for your organization, uh, and we can make the slides available as well. Uh, so, hey, for everyone out there, again, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we're gonna the, the format's going to be covering a couple of topics that you see on the slides right now. Uh, we'll hit each of these kind of briefly. Uh, I don't want to make this NTC specific because we could we could spend a whole lot of time talking about all the intricacies that happen out here at the National Training Center. Uh, but I really want to try and have the discussion be a little bit larger uh, and more inclusive of sustainment concerns across the board. So, you know, we'll cover c a couple of topics up front. This is a an interactive experience uh, and look forward to getting some different perspectives and, and views on what you see across the force and hopefully coming to some sort of shared understanding of what we're seeing the challenges we're facing and then ways that we can get after fixing them uh, moving forward. So we're starting off with just kind of the overall shift in what we're what we're seeing and what we're doing out at the National Training Center. Uh, and I would tell you that I don't think that it's specific to the NTC. Uh, you know, you get you have a lot of conversations with folks uh, that, that, that kind of reference, you know, getting back to the basics, uh, understanding what that expeditionary mindset framework is, uh, for those of you that did, you know, early OIF, OEF, you know, into Afghanistan with 10th Mountain, or you did the push up north with 3rd ID, you know, that's probably one of the last times we really got after, you know, expeditionary uh, sustainment. Uh, and so what what NTC adapted to over the coin years was kind of a traditional model uh, of RSO and I, uh, time-based, you know, you would roll out, you know, you get there, RSO, RSO I-5 that Friday, uh, that was kind of the, the, the dead set day where you would roll out. Um, everything was going at the same time. Uh, you know, we kind of replicated a more mature theater uh, and then, you know, didn't necessarily add that sense of urgency that you would get in an immature in, in an immature theater. Uh, and so for those of you that have been to an NTC rotation in the last uh, five years or so, you'll kind of recognize those slides at the top right under the coin operations bullet. Uh, what you've seen shift specifically at NTC, but talking to my battle buddies over at JRTC and JMRC, you know, there's really a much more deliberate ERSO and I model. Um, that's based on a much less refined theater opening uh, capability. Uh, and so you've got to have C2, you've got to have protection, uh, you've got to have the means to sustain yourself uh, right 
from the get-go. So the second you download your stuff from the rail, uh, in our case out in Barstow at Yermo, um, you know, you transition into to uh, Fort Irwin, uh, and while you may swipe your ID card uh, at a tent uh, with the 916th Sustainment Brigade, you're immediately going out into a tactical, you know, your tactical assembly area uh, out in the dirt. Uh, there, there's no tents. If you don't, if you didn't plan for it, if you didn't bring it, uh, then you don't have it. And so that really requires and shifts a lot of planning emphasis to what you've got to do at LTP. Uh, you've got to dig into the plans a little bit more. You've got to structure your force packages completely different. And then you may start operations uh, at the same time you know, you're still getting FET testing done. You know, the, your CAV squadron may may LD and start, you know, setting up OPs and, and, and start heading out towards the wheel gap, uh, and, and you're still getting folks on ground. Uh, and so, you know, looking at the audience we've got here, you know, we've got folks all the way from, you know, battalion commanders and senior leaders to, you know, a couple of lieutenants and NCOs here. Uh, at every echelon, you've got to have your stuff wired tight. you got to have a plan, uh, you know, something as simple as a load plan in that 1750 you know, for, you know, the platoon leader, platoon sergeant's truck, uh, all the way up to the, you know, what mission command nodes uh, and, and what capabilities we're going to put on a train when, what are we going to line haul, you know, how am I moving my castle, uh, where am I going to get that uh, in my kind of order of march, uh, and then, you know, what do I, what do I look like when I hit ground, and, and what capability is on ground at the time, and so, you know, it's gotten a little bit more complicated, uh, I'll tell you some for a lot of folks we talk to, um, while you don't get the creature comforts of, you know, living in the Ruba on the front end, uh, from a leader's from a leader perspective, it helps get your head in the game uh, significantly faster. Uh, and, and so you get here, it's game time, you go. Uh, it, the old model, I think, had plenty of opportunity, you know, for stuff to kind of get slowed down, bogged down. You had to, you had to track people down. Uh, you know, it's you and your triple strand concertina wire. And oh, by the way, uh, it, it can be kinetic uh, as soon as you hit the ground. Um, you know, the BFB is out there, civilian population. How are you working force protection, you know, as soon as you get out uh, into the box? And so, you know, that significant change. Uh, and uh, it's something that we as leaders have got to figure out. Uh, so as we talked uh, at the top left, you know, hey, that Desert Storm, that's what our TAs look like. OIF FOBs and the Aruba, you know, that all you're probably familiar with. Uh, the problem set down to the left, again, we've got a reliance on contractors, our intermodal transportation, how are we using our comms networks, you know, falling in. You know, in a lot of conversations, a lot of folks haven't deployed. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of folks have done a relief in place. You've been given theater provided uh, or APS drawn equipment. Uh, you've fallen in on barracks. You've fallen in on dining facilities. You've fallen in on contracted sustainment. Uh, and to an extent, that was the same thing that you were seeing at the National Training Center. You might have had your own 92 golfs cooking for you, uh, you know, but the draw yard and all that type of stuff was all kind of set there. Uh, and, and you were in a large confined area building combat power. Once you met a certain gate, you then rolled out. Um, shifting over to the right and you know as we as we discussed you get on ground and it's game time and you've got to look at that uh, as a leader or or a sustainer or both uh, as an opportunity uh, and again ntc specific but also look at this in the in the uh, in, in the, the, the construct of home station training and we'll talk about that here at the end of our uh, our formal pitch 
but how do you get out of buildings? How do you get out of creature comforts? How do you practice that expeditionary training at home station, doing supporting gunnery, doing platoon, company, you know, battalion uh, level training events, uh, and, and then you know get get uncomfortable, get in the dirt. Uh, the more reps you get doing that at home station, uh, the more the more training you're going to get, uh, and the the less the less painful it'll be, whether it's a deployment, whether it's CTC uh, or a brigade collective training event. So shifting to one of our favorite topics out here. So the SSA, um, and you know, again, there's no right answer, uh, but kind of along the lines with our expeditionary RSO and I discussion, uh, you can't let the first time your SSA get dirty, be it, be it NTC, JRTC or, or, or JMRC. Um, you know, you owe it to the 92 Alphas, and I'll tell you, I was an SSA platoon leader many, many moons ago. Uh, the SSA, moving it, managing it, working uh, personnel uh, is a pain. It's not easy. It's underappreciated. It's overlooked, uh, but it is the most critical component uh, of the BSB uh, to maintain combat power and increase lethality and mobility and extend that operational reach. And so, you know, how are you operationalizing everything that 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 SSA does in a garrison environment uh, prior to you coming out to a training event or deploying? You know you've got to be synchronized uh, across the brigade, uh, depending on who's who's moving out when, who's crossing LD. You know what are the other what are your adjacent units doing? You know who controls and who is synchronizing the actions of the SSA? You know is it the support operations officer? Is it your, you know, is it the SNS officer in the SPO shop? Uh, is it the Alpha Company command team? Is it the accountable officer? Uh, and, and, you know, who's doing what to who? Uh, you know, uptime, downtime. Uh, when are we jumping? When are we not? How are we man managing you know, the KCs, the VSATs? Are we, all these types of things uh, have got to be managed and synchronized across the brigade. Uh, too often, what we see is, hey, we got to jump. All right, well, you know, we just finished an attack. Everybody's coming back. They're all back in the TAAs. You know, the UMCPs are, are full of uh, deadline tanks, Bradley strikers. You know, all these requisitions are coming in. We've got MROs that we're cutting, uh, and we just packed everything up, and the SSA is jumping. You know, so do you jump during the attack? Do you jump in it during the defense? How do you synchronize those movements? Uh, same type of discussion you have back in garrison. How do you synchronize actions? Uh, for the SSA to better support the brigade uh, and extend operational reach and maneuver. Uh, everyone's favorite discussion, uh, moving the castle, uh, and I you know, lightheartedly put the destroyer of souls. Uh, I will tell you, uh, based on personal experience and based on firsthand uh, what we're seeing out here, um, this is probably the most critical thing. Uh, this and Charlie Med, you know, th th this is this is what what the BSB, brings to bear and so the army answer is that you have everything you need to move the castle right in a in a brigade uh now you got to do some math right because if you've got ccls for the beb if you've got ammunition that you're trying to help move for the field artillery battalion uh and then you've got all the additional stuff a lot of folks have got these really nice talks uh, that are in these 20-foot containers that they have tied up on either the back of a 1076 trailer, uh, a PLS, or an LHS, which is fine, 
but that's a deliberate decision that someone has made somewhere to take away one position that you that the army is dedicated for you to move a move the castle uh, and your BOH containers and, and not move uh, you know some of the other stuff and so there's a lot of math and, and you've got to get dirty uh, when it comes to doing you know crunching the numbers get on a whiteboard get on a piece of paper uh, and clearly lay out you know how many how many positions do I need between an IBCT ABCT or an SBCT you know the variation I think is somewhere in the high 30s to the low 50s. Uh, generally, what we see is based on everything that we're asking the, the alpha company to move. When you throw class four and everything else you're drawing, uh, you're looking at about 60 to 70 percent that you can move organically uh, out at the National Training Center. So that 30 to 40 percent has got to come from somewhere. And that comes from either doing multiple turns or, or it comes from proper utilization uh, of the field trains command post elements that you're pulling from uh, the FSCs. Uh, to augment the movement of the castle. Um, and if not thought through, uh, if not done effectively, you know, you can take a 24 hour, a hard 24 hour mission of moving an SSA, uh, and th that will very rapidly extend out to a 36, 48, 72 uh, hour mission. Uh, the longest we've seen it take to move the castle in one, in one push, or in one instance, was almost four days. Uh, just because of the multiple competing resources, the requirement to have a flea out, uh, and then the inability to pool assets across the brigade. Uh, what you look like matters, right? So a lot of the discussion we have about the SSA and, and the BSB and sustainment in general is going to revolve around survivability. Guys, we got to get the camo nets out. You know, we, we can't just set up a bunch of stuff uh, right there at the base of the whale gap. You know, don't don't make it easier on the op four uh, than it needs to be. Um, you're already you're already in for a good time when you come out here, but but breaking up your your, your you know your your pattern uh, dispersion, a lot of discussion about uh, you know how we properly use camo and how hard it is. At the ten level task, if you train your crew how to pack up, wrap up, and, and store camo nets on the top of a cab. You can roll it down, stake it in, uh, tent pull it up, uh, and, and make it so your vehicles can pull in and pull out underneath a set camo net. Uh, and it takes rehearsing, uh, but something that we've seen done, something that a lot of folks don't think of until they get here, uh, and it just makes your life a little bit harder. Uh, the class one breakpoint. So the SSA, right? Class one breakpoint is another key component of that. Uh, until it's cooked, it's you know, it, it's it's a, it's another commodity. Right. And so your 92 golf uh, that you've got there to help manage rations uh, versus the 92 alpha who's, who, you know, in a lot of cases doesn't necessarily think it's their job. Uh, and so between water, between uh, MREs, between UGRs, uh, that's one of those things that folks don't necessarily look at. You know, we're, we're MTOed it now. It's a change. Uh, and it's something that you don't necessarily get a lot of reps on back at home station uh, because your cooks are ordering stuff through the dining facility, uh, you know, Tismo or whatever. And it's it's just one of those things that you've got to look at uh, that doesn't translate well from the garrison environment because uh, you'll end up either pushing too much, too little, or you've got someone that doesn't have reps that, have, that has done it uh, in a tactical environment. Uh, our integration of the FSC uh, 92 alphas, uh, 
I don't necessarily want to go too far down the rabbit hole this time on the on the FTCPs, but I would tell you for future iterations of this uh, of Ask a Gold Miner, we're going to have a dedicated breakout on FSC BSB uh, integration uh, and the utilizing the FTCP um, and what it looks like. Uh, there, there's no, there is a doctrinal answer on the fact that you know we've got to use it. Uh, but what the composition is, who's where, FSC versus XO versus S4, uh, you know, the personality type of discussions, you know, all of that, uh, we could spend we could spend two hour, two to three hours right now simply going over those discussions. But what I do want to highlight here in conjunction with the SSA uh, is the fact that um, those 92 alphas, how are you integrating them uh, or the supply reps and the FTCP and what are they doing for you? Um, at this point, you know, they should be helping you identify parts, making sure things are getting on trucks, uh, tracking MROs, helping you with turn in. Uh, and that's a component that I don't know that we do a very good job of, job of because it's somewhat of an afterthought uh, in garrison. Uh, they don't have relationships built, who's, you know, who's doing life support for these guys, all that type of stuff. Uh, doesn't translate over very well from garrison to the tactical environment. And so it gets back to how are we building those habitual relationships back at home station? So when we get in a tactical environment, if we when we get to a CTC or we deploy, uh, we have the sets and reps and the, the the common understanding of what the roles and responsibilities are of those people and the folks that are supposed to be taking care of them. And then I want to wrap up kind of the SSA in a tactical environment. Uh, you know, the, the SSA tech, the accountable officer. Um, you know, is the is the SSA tech down there just to kind of do the internal stuff? Uh, is the SSA tech a part of the maintenance meeting? You know, what what role, you know, jokingly, you know, what is it you say you do here? We all know that the SSA tech uh, is worth their weight in gold because uh, they can make some magic happen for us. Uh, but there's got to be a deliberate decision, again, based on what we're doing in garrison uh, versus what we're doing in a tactical environment. This is one area where I do think uh, it does translate fairly well. Uh, if you're not integrating the SSA into your log sync meeting, if you're not integrating the SSA tech into your maintenance meeting, uh, and they're not coming prepared to brief, you know, accurate, timely data uh, in order to effectively make decisions, uh, then you're potentially missing an opportunity uh, to operationalize. And, you know, I know that's kind of a buzzword, but, you know, operationalize the SSA and those leaders that are down there. They're not just there to process parts. Um, but that SSA tech has a wealth of knowledge. It'll go into setup. It'll go into, you know, just how you conduct operations. Uh, and, and then really that 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 subject matter expert uh, that helps you alleviate problems at the lowest level. How often have we executed actually putting the SSA in the field? Uh, and something as simple as layout, uh, traffic ability, how the CSSB is going to come in to drop parts, uh, and rations, how your customer units are going to come in. Uh, I will tell you, uh, you can wreak havoc on a on an already problematic situation in the in the brigade support area uh, if this is not well thought out uh, and, and understood. Uh, when you start talking base defense, uh, and when you start talking uh, just how you're going to conduct operations. And so we talk very quickly flow of traffic. You know, one way in, one way out. We, we've we've seen a myriad of ways folks have been successful here, uh, and, and you know, some of it is with signage, some of it's with you know entry control points and how you you know how you you know position the SSA. Is it is it on the perimeter? Is it in the center? Um, I'll tell you, be careful. BOHs make great fighting positions for uh, BFB and Op Four, 
Uh, and so if we don't do some sort of internal perimeter, internal fighting position uh, and sector sketch consideration, uh, you potentially make what could be a relatively simple fight uh, turn into a multi-hour uh, game of whack-a-mole because folks will use your SSA uh, as a place for the Op 4 to hide. Uh, we got Colonel Letcher with a comment. Absolutely, sir. Hey, so uh, it's uh, Gold Miner 05 Ancient here with my better half, uh, uh, General Michelle Letcher, the Chief of Ordnance, Gold Miner 03 Alpha Ancient, and Bronco 8 Alpha, uh, Bronco 08 uh, Ancient. Hey, so we're working a couple things uh, here at CASCOM in Fielded Forest Integration Directorate, uh, specifically tied to the SSA. But the bottom line is it comes down to train and operate on a daily basis how you fight. So you're talking about setting up the SSA uh, at NTC in a, in a, combat, oper in a combat environment. Uh, but we've got to take that same mindset to the daily operations of the SSA and really to everything that we do. So that that time management piece that you talked about, uh, the layout of the SSA, those things aren't foreign to us. We're not doing them specially for NTC or for, especially for deployment. But we've got to do that on a daily basis. And, and as, we, as, as we as leaders train as we fight and operate as we fight, these things will become second nature to us, whether it's at Fort Hood or at 
at JRTC or NTC or JBLM or wherever it is that we operate out of on a daily basis. So that's that's what I got here from Fort Lee right now. Sir, really, really appreciate that. Um, any comments out there from, from the group? Um, I see the comment here about RTU having success using the CSSB help jump the castle. So the 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 thought process out here at the National Training Center, well, yes, you have a CSSB uh, built into the rotation in most cases. Um, in the large-scale combat operations construct, uh, you know, that CSSB, one, is going to be supporting multiple brigades, uh, and two, is going to be predominantly pushing uh, is going to be pushing replacement class nine parts, is going to be pushing ammunition, is going to be pushing bulk water and fuel. Uh, and so, you know, the, 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 the mindset out here is that it's not necessarily realistic to push the easy button and say, hey, I need you to augment my capability to move the castle. Uh, generally, what we do here, because it's such a condensed training environment and we want to help you get after all of your training objectives is, you know, once you exhibit that you can do it, you know, we, we kind of let we, we take the child locks off a little bit, the CSSB, and they can help you just so we can start getting after additional training tasks and things like that. Uh, but I would tell you from the gold miner and the NTC perspective, you know, don't bank on the CSSB uh, for your castle movement. You know, again, the Army has resourced every every BCT with enough capability uh, to move the castle. Uh, the, 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 the trickery involved is that it's not all organic to the BSB. It's in the FSCs as well. And so, again, in a future discussion, uh, you know, we're going to talk in depth, you know, the roles and how you uh, effectively use the FTCP uh, and how that BSB commander uh, really should help as that senior sustainer or that sus cord, uh, you know, pull those assets, reprioritize in order to make sure that they can get after, um, get after those objectives, uh, specifically moving the castle. Sir, we're at the next slide. We're at your favorite slide. Okay. Hey, so if this gives you a seizure, uh, I apologize. Uh, but let me tell you, uh, this is one that I use on the regular with uh, during our AARs. Uh, and while it is extremely busy, uh, what I would tell you is depending on who you are and where you fit into this slide, this is everything it takes to conduct sustainment operations and, uh, and decisive action. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's you know, starting at the top left, you know, receipt of mission, you know, actually conducting MDMP or mission analysis and all your log estimates and forecasts, uh, you know, truly the, the running estimate and the mission analysis uh, is the most critical part, in my opinion, as a sustainer. So there's a dirty little secret about MDMP. Uh, at the end of the day, two things in Parker's opinion that you've got to do uh, to be successful is you've got to conduct mission analysis, which, oh, by the way, you never stop mission analysis. That is a continuing continuing process uh, through how you how you are refining your running estimates. Uh, and you've got a war game. Uh, nine times out of ten here, we, we have a lot of directed courses of action. You know, that's a way. I would tell you, you know, like we said earlier on, there's always more than one way to solve a problem. However, given how time constrained you are uh, or the RMD, utilizing the RMDP process, uh, you know, that, that may be the way your commander uh, wants you to go. Uh, but that mission analysis, that forecasting, and then that wargaming to make sure that it passes the sanity check, the most critical part uh, of, of MDMP. Um, orders production. We've got to produce orders. Uh, time after time, you know, Annex F is, you know, it, it's either just not there at all uh, or, it's, or it's extremely generic. Uh, paragraph 4. 
sometimes just says reference Annex F. Uh, I would tell you, you know, we do ourselves a disservice and, and, and don't provide that that level of shared understanding uh, across the board um, if we don't actually go through orders production. And that's where a discussion between the Brigade 4, the SPO, and the, the, the BSB 3 uh, on who's doing what, you know, who's the planner, who's providing the input, all things that you've got to figure out in garrison so that you've got the reps and sets to execute at tempo, at pace, under the, under the scrutiny uh, of, of executing in a tactical environment at a CTC or, or downrange. Uh, the sustainment rehearsal, um, a, 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 a topic near and dear to, to many of uh, many OC's hearts, uh, because, you know, that is when you've got to synchronize all this stuff together, right? What what exactly should your sustainment rehearsal look like? What are you trying to get out of it? Is it where we sit there and we simply brief the log sync matrix? Uh, or do we go through and we look at friction points? We synchronize and validate that the sustainment plan is nested with, the, with, with, with what's going on operationally? Do we look at points of friction? Uh, and then do we talk through these uh, to ensure that we understand uh, you know, the prioritization, is that right? And oh, by the way, you've got to have the operational input. You've got to have the, the, you know, the input of the threes, the brigade three, the brigade XO, you know, the maneuverists. If your sustainment rehearsal is the FSC commanders talking to the BSB commander, uh, then you're, you're probably not doing it right. Um, you know, it's a way, uh, understanding a time-constrained environment, but you've got to have XOs there. You've got to have, uh, in some cases, S3, you know, sergeants major, uh, who are working, you know, with the first sergeants to work the Kazovac plan, the synchronization, AXPs, all that stuff. Uh, and so uh, I could spend another hour just on a sustainment rehearsal, but we're getting ready to publish a video here in probably the next month that will show you a way to conduct a sustainment rehearsal uh, with some call-outs, uh, you know, uh, friction points, uh, and really decisions that need to be come out of that process. So that'll be something that we'll, we'll publish here shortly. Your log stats, oh my goodness. Uh, the guys here on the team have heard me say this a, a dozen times, but I think we would solve all the world's problems logistically uh, as soon as we treat our log stats with the same reverence as a call for fire uh, or a nine line. Uh, and so, you know, log stats, a couple of ways to look at it. You know, as a sustainer, you know, we need a log stat either to identify the requirement or validate the requirement. Uh, I would I would guess that the majority of you know how much fuel goes into a tank, know what the operational reach of your battalion, your supported battalion or brigade would be based on consumption rates and all the manuals and background information that we have. Um, so that being said, how you utilize your log stats, whether it's identifying the requirement, a new requirement, or validating an assumption that you've made uh, on your log sync matrix. It's one of those things that you've got to get into your brigade or battalion or company battle rhythm. Uh, get shared understanding across the board uh, use, using the pace plan and get that information in. Uh, validating log sets reporting our log synchronization meeting. We're going to talk about your battle rhythm here in a minute, so I won't go into this too much. Uh, but you've got to conduct your log sync, log sync meeting. Uh, you've got to publish and update your log sync matrix. Uh, I will tell you, uh, it's got to be something that's easily accessible to the maneuver commander. Again, it's meant to help make decisions uh, and then understood and disseminated to the lowest level. And the means by which you disseminate it, I've seen folks do it on Sipper. I've seen folks do sync matrixes on CPOF. Uh, you know, 
all well-intentioned, but when you get down to it, you know, who has upper TI on the battlefield? Is that getting down to the lowest level? And is is it a usable document uh, that, again, can help drive operations, the decisions that need to be made, resourcing and all that? Then the battle handoff between the SPO and the S3. So for the field grades uh, and some of the leaders in this uh, in in the forum here, you know, your co-ops, FUOPs, plans, discussion of how things are laid out. And because at the end of the day, for the company grades, for the company commanders, the platoon leaders, uh, XOs, you know, we've got to have a transition from something that's being a planning in a planning phase to an execution phase. Uh, and it's got to be done in a timely manner because the, the platoon leaders, the platoon sergeants, the company commanders and first sergeants have got to have time to do rehearsals, you know, troop leading procedures, uh, get all those things, PCCs, PCIs, their briefs. Uh, and, and if we're still, if it's completely in the SPO world, you know, realm until the last minute, and then you hand it over, you know, you traditionally will see a concern on, on and shortchanged, uh, you know, PCC, PCIs, troop leading procedures, and a lot of things that are going to end up biting you on the back end uh, because they go out unprepared, not rehearsed, don't understand the mission, or incomplete because we didn't get the we didn't get the total requirement. And it goes back to that that concept of hey, how do we manage our time? Uh, and and how do we get more time back? Uh, how do we array our assets? You know, the discussion of where everything is at, the CSB, BSB. Uh, do you have uh, TTPs in place uh, once you kick out a mission uh, to kind of reorganize back at the BSA, uh, reorganize in the FSC? Uh, and are you prepared to receive what's next? And so BSB pushes out fuel, uh, you know, FSC comes and picks it up. You know, are you prepared at the FSC level where I only have to I only have to push fuel or water to two or three trucks instead of 13 that are all half full? Same thing for the CSSB. When the CSSB comes in with their, you know, 30,000 gallons of fuel, 15,000 gallons of water, are they now having to go to multiple trucks or, or do we got it consolidated where they can go to these five? Those are my five empties. They fill that and I can still conduct operations or am I completely going to a kind of a brownout phase? Or I have I've got stuff all over the place. It goes back to layout. It goes back to you know what we're doing uh, in between missions. You know a lot of you know a lot of high fives once we get something out the gate. But there's a lot of prep work uh, on the on the front end that we've got to do and on the back end once it's out to set conditions for what's next. And again, it goes back to getting more of that time. And then you know when we start talking about how we're going to execute distribution operations, are we doing supply point unit based? You know. Uh, are we doing LRPs? Do we know what an LRP is? So I think I see, let me, I'm going to call somebody out. I think I see Brian Slotnick on here. Uh, you know, we were, we were lieutenants together, you know, back in the day, we probably did LRPs. Uh, I don't know, uh, that the concept of an LRP is as, as well understood now. Uh, I think we're getting back to it, but again, going to a specific time and place, sitting there for a couple of hours, FSCs come, they get their point, you know, you drop off fuel, water, chow, class nine, first sergeant takes it down to the flot. They come back within a certain amount of time. If they're not there after whatever that time frame is, then, you know, that first sergeant or whoever's got the mission has got to take it all the way back to the BSA. You know, don't confuse an LRP with a flea. And for some reason, we're seeing uh, the two concepts used interchangeably. Uh, when in actuality, one is a point in time in order to execute a mission, and one is a one is a node usually used in advance of of jumping your BSA or used for a specific time and purpose uh, to support a mission. Uh, don't forget to don't forget your friendly neighborhood aviator. Uh, I'll tell you while um, 
getting dedicated aviation at NTC tends to happen a lot more than I've seen uh, in, while actually deployed. You know, working that air ground integration, understanding how to talk to the aviators, uh, and then, you know, getting that Chinook for a ring route for high priority class nine or retrograde, or uh, from the personnel replacement uh, point, uh, provides you a great opportunity. Um, and then you do it all over again, right? And so the, the reason this is, is, this is so busy, one, requires all of these things to happen in order to be successful. But, you know, there are, there are multiple inputs, multiple outputs, and, and multiple roles and responsibilities that have to be executed and synchronized in order to get all this going. Uh, and then, of course, at the very, very top, you're looking at, you know, how am I managing Z-Park? What are my log stats coming in? What does that tie into? How am I talking to the CSSB? Where are my LNOs? all that stuff so th this is not simple you know a, a lot of you know the joke always used to kind of be hey sustainment logistics it just happens uh I, I will tell you you know we got it we as sustainers have have made it look pretty simple for a long time uh because of coin uh we are now getting back into the graduate level work uh, of conducting sustainment operations um, and, uh, you know, it, it requires us to get dirty. It requires us to do the math, uh, and it requires us to think uh, and be proactive in a lot of instances. So, hey, so getting the most from your battle room, this is, just, I, I would really like this to be a discussion because uh, I'll tell you, um, you know, we, we have our traditional set of meetings, right? Traditional set of engagements. Uh, you know, whether it's the brigade maintenance meeting, log sync, your cubs, your bubs, distribution, all that type of stuff. Uh, but what I would I would tell you, um, you know, my two kind of call outs here, every meeting you've got to start with the end in mind. What are my outputs? What am I trying to get out of this? Uh, and then anything that doesn't just doesn't drive a decision uh, in a lot of cases, frankly, is, is a waste of time. There's nothing wrong with for information. Uh, but, you know, is this a meeting? Is this an email? Is this a quick face to face? Is this a is this a desk side? Uh, you know, especially in a tactical environment where you're trying to pull people from an information from all over the battlefield, all over the battlefield, you know, what does that look like? And so for the brigade, for the brigade XO, for the brigade S4, for the BSB commander, the SPO, the maintenance tech, you know, what, you know, what do these things look like? And so I say it's as simple as who, what, why, where, when, right? So why are you having the meeting? Is it for information? Is there a decision driving this both or none? Uh, who needs to be there? You know, we, always like to highly encourage face-to-face -face, uh, engagements. Uh, however, that's not always feasible, right? And so can I afford to have every battalion XO come back for a maintenance meeting? Uh, well, if we're in the middle of an attack, probably not, maybe not, right? The CAV is probably so far forward, who knows uh, when you're gonna see that guy again. Um, and so, you know, those are deliberate decisions. Are the right people attending? While we want, you know, our battalion XOs uh, or, you know, someone of that, someone at, at that position uh, to attend a lot of this, like, like the, a lot of what we see uh, is, you know, capability based. Right. And so, you know, is that person armed and able to, to talk uh, and have discussions uh, on behalf of that battalion? What decisions are we trying to make? You know, you know, we can't just, sit, we don't just need to sit here and look at um, and look at the ESR. The ESR is meant to, the discussion that we have in a maintenance meeting is meant to drive decisions. When am I getting this combat power back up? When are these tanks and Bradley's coming back? When is this critical piece of equipment gonna come up? Uh, that should drive a decision, you know, 
and potentially a reprioritization of assets and capabilities. Uh, you know, am I pulling an engine off Delta one, two over in, you know, this armor battalion and, and uh, you know, that was dedicated and earmarked coming in for that tank. Uh, but that one's got a wiring harness down uh, or I've got one over here, you know, in the cav uh, that I can sit here and uh, get that tank up and, and increase combat power across the brigade. If we're not having that level of decision uh, being made at a maintenance meeting or those aren't some of the outputs, uh, then I would tell you that we've got, I think we need to relook, um, you know, how we're conducting that meeting and what that meeting uh, is really there for. You know, the ESR isn't just to sit sit around at, uh, you know, the table and be like, yep, got it, part on hand, yep, working it, yep, it's a BB status. No, it, it should be driving uh, a discussion uh, specifically to provide the, the commander, whether it's the battalion, squadron, or brigade level, uh, so they know how much combat power they have and how it will affect operations. Uh, location, where are we holding it at? Is it the brigade talk? Are we moving forward? Uh, is it distributed? Is it always back at the BSB? You know, are the are we utilizing the FTCP reps? And again, going back to the desired outputs, are we getting the outputs that we want uh, from that engagement? Um, having it all the way back in the BSB, again, if you're that CAV, if you're the CAV squadron uh, XO, that's a heck of a drive. Uh, and so how are we facilitating it? Uh, and then when? Uh, you know, we like to see, you know, excuse me, we see uh, a lot of folks get a battle rhythm set up and say, hey, every morning at 09, we're going to conduct our maintenance meeting. At, at, at 1100, we're going to conduct our log sync meeting. Okay, well, for those of you that have been to a CTC, and I'll just CTC specifically, you know, what's going on at 09 almost every single morning? Someone's getting, someone's getting the business from the op four, right? And so, you know, is it something that's on order? Is it something that's dispersed? You know, you've got to be deliberate about how you're doing certain things. You know, when are other key meetings, you know, when are the, when is the ops synchronization meeting? When is the S3 publishing the latest guidance? You know, when are the, again, outputs that we need? Uh, and then how are we, you know, you know, how are we facilitating the log battle rhythm uh, to drive the decisions in the operational, uh, on the operational side of things? Um, uh, and then, you know, again, I'll jump kind of down here to the bottom right, the sustainment pace. You know, we I, I put that on there just as an example, but, you know, you have got to get your S6s of the world thinking through uh, a viable pace plan. Um, I, I would tell you that, you know, face-to-face -face while preferred, not always feasible. Time and a place for that. Uh, your VSAT phone has proven uh, in a lot of cases uh, to be pr fairly reliable for point-to-point -point discussions. We've seen some organizations use the, uh, the you know, the group feature, the conference call, uh, although with limited uh, success, um, you know, JBCP chat is something that we used to use over an 11th ACR uh, with a lot of success. Uh, it takes more time uh, and sometimes it's a little bit disjointed, but it is fairly reliable. Uh, and then CPOF, you know, we've seen folks do maintenance meetings and, and in log syncs on CPOF, uh, but looking at the chat, you know, hey, not everybody has upper TI and are they going to be able to get back to a to a place that does, you know, where's your FSC commander, where are your maintenance techs? Are they, are you now pulling them away from a fight longer than it needs to be uh, to get them to a place where they can look at something on the high side? So, sir, Captain Willis, JRTC. Um, one thing I've addressed with a lot of the FSCs uh, due to the times that log stats are requested, uh, talking with the fours as well at uh, the squadron level, uh, since the log stat times usually ended up getting pushed all the way back to around zero five, 
I usually try to push the S4s to get their uh, log stats from the troops the night prior or a time that makes more sense for the XOs to give a reliable uh, view of what they have on hand and then go with an as of time whenever they report their log stats. Uh, it seems to uh, be giving us a better idea of what's actually on hand instead of XOs just guessing at what they have on hand and then all of a sudden they're black on uh, one class supply or another. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, as a TTP, you know, what I what I what I've kind of coached on the side for some of the BSB commanders in the SPOs um, is, you know, when you look at a log, when you're looking at your log section, looking at your log sync meeting, you know, it's funny how nobody will speak up when it's blank. Uh, but you'll get somebody that'll jump up and say, "Hey, that's not right." If, if you if you put kind of a projection in there, and so, you know, last couple of rotations, I've had the spo. You know, you're not getting log stats. Okay, so put in 10,000 gallons. You know, someone will see something on there and be like, "That's not right," uh, and it will drive the discussion. And oh, by the way, you know, it it goes back to, you know, our job as the sustainment, uh, as kind of the sustainment experts and understanding what what our organizations need. You know, you know, it's 507 to 12 gallon, depending on what variant of tank you've got, you know, times, you know, however many tanks you've got in that task force, yada, yada, yada. You look at your consumption rates, uh, you look at your historical analysis, um, you know, you can you can kind of deck out what it looks like uh, you're going to need over time. Uh, and then utilizing, you know, a, a time stamped log stat. Uh, or, or, you know, log stat report and then use that and have an informed discussion at the meeting or, you know, at the table in the SPO van or SPO tent uh, to really drive those requirements. Again, it, it goes back to driving decisions and predictability, because if you're a lieutenant or a captain on this chat, you know, you're thinking yeah, that's great. But, you know, the, the, how often does the staff give me a product that I need in a timely manner where I can effectively get my trucks lined up, get my crews built, get the comms piece done? execute all the, the troop leading procedures, PCCs, PCIs, rehearsals, you know, that's not something that happens on a dime. Uh, and, and you know, having a relatively predictable log sync matrix uh, that has some stuff templated on there, you know, affords folks the opportunity to at least get the ball rolling. If you have to add one truck or take one truck off, you know, that's a lot less, uh, you know, that, 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 that's, that, that, that is a lot less uh, disruptive than if you are having to build something from scratch in a very short, uh, in, a, in a short time frame. Uh, and again, time and predictability uh, as much as possible it will alleviate a lot of the, oh my goodness, you know, uh, you know, we just lost, you know, 14 tanks over here and, you know, I just got three units that called in black or they're black on ammo or whatever. You know, that will, that will afford us a little bit of breathing room when in reality the tempo uh, and the pace at which we conduct the operations doesn't really lend itself to do that. So we, we've we've got to be smarter um, uh, than the average bear on predicting some of this stuff. So, hey, sir, uh, Tom Blasky here at CGSC. Um, in regards to the log stat, have you seen any of the RTUs come in with a um, you know a standardized configured loads across the battalion? You know, we know that. FSC is carrying this much of this supply and then simplifying the log stat to where I don't need to wait for every single tank or striker report up. I just say, hey, the FSC is at 50%. And then, you know, that's all the information we need. You know, I'm, I'm simplifying, obviously, but is, have you seen any kind of standardization like that work or, or be attempted? 
So I will tell you, um, you know, we've seen some units do it better than others, but I I would tell you that a lot of folks kind of come in with the same generic Excel, you know, 50 50 row, you know, every single, uh, you know, every single type of ammunition uh, log stat that that you, you know, you get kind of at at the career course or, you know, that's, that's been floating around as kind of the book answer. Rarely have we seen it kind of dumbed down or simplified down into, you know, the, 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 you know, what, what used to be taught was kind of just, hey, give me the basic 3.5 mic mic, you know, and something that I could easily type into, you know, either an Excel document, uh, send it through and send it over voice rapidly uh, or send it over uh, digits utilizing my JCR log or JBCP. Um, I, I think a lot of folks, you know, we don't really do log stat reporting in Garrison. Uh, and so when we come out here, folks kind of look to, you know, I recognize a lot of names on here from the you know logistics officer network uh, on Facebook. You know, hey, I'm getting ready to go to a CTC. I need an example of a tax op or I need an example of a log stat. And you get kind of the generic product. Uh, and then without actually rehearsing it or utilizing it or, you know, kind of, you know, wargaming its functionality, uh, what you get is kind of the generic product. And when you when you hand an armor platoon leader or platoon sergeant uh, an Excel spreadsheet uh, that he's got to fill out uh, that's got 50 rows, or he's got to come back up to his CP or the XO has got to do it in their CP, you're going to get a poor product. Uh, and so haven't necessarily seen, you know, somebody take an efficient look at what we're trying to report. You know, it, it should almost be, you know, the exception rather than, uh, but we've also seen multiple battalions report different ways because the brigade level tax up didn't standardize log sync reporting, uh, the log stat report, uh, and then when it had to get translated over from one, you know, from analog to digital or digital to analog, uh, you know, those processes and those um, and, and those products weren't necessarily there. So I, I don't think that we've seen it uh, quite to where it needs to be. It's not effective nor efficient in most cases, uh, but a lot of that is, is is due to a breakdown wholesale of systems, processes, tax ops, SOPs, all that stuff. Um, you know, we don't usually talk about units by name, but I will tell you uh, the 134th BSB out of the Minnesota National Guard, and we've talked about them in a number of cases, um, they did an exceptional job coming here. Uh, and uh, to, to give the National Guard credit, you know, their battalion commander had been their SPO the, the last time they were here. The sergeant major was a first sergeant. You know, they had the advantages of a lot of their, I think 60% of their formation had been in the battalion, the previous rotation. That being said, they kind of proved the point that utilizing a, a, a well-rehearsed, well-thought-out SOP, tax op, and, and, and having those processes in place, um, their battle rhythm, their processes, their reporting was was the best I think we've ever seen. Um, and, and it was, you know, not just because, you know, they, they'd gone through a previous rotation together, but they had rehearsed it and it was the only, th- they had spent dedicated time uh, in garrison th- through their annual training, through their weekend drill. Uh, you know, that was their primary focus. Acknowledge that in, you know, in the active duty, you, you, you've got a thousand competing resources, but I would tell you, uh, if you're able to put something in place early and hold to it, you know, don't let somebody call the SPO shop and say, hey, I need I need to draw this amount of ammo. Make them submit a log stat, right? Again, operationalizing things. How do we get these things out of just a field environment and make it to where it's not a field versus gar- – it's not a GARSOP anymore, right? It's just it, – the tax op governs all. 
uh, and those same systems and processes that we expect to use uh, when we're fighting for real, uh, whether it be here in, you know, Atropia and Denovia, or it's, you know, whatever O plan we, we get called upon to execute, um, you know, how are those systems translated? Uh, they should be the same. Uh, and if we're not at that level, I think you're missing an opportunity uh, to really buy back some time because you'll get those repetitions in a garrison environment. Does, does that help? It does, sir. Sir, uh, good afternoon. Captain Knowlton uh, out here at JMRC, uh, Adler 08 Alpha. I don't even want to know what time it is there. It's probably late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's late, sir. Um, yeah, I just, you know, a couple notes on the pace, uh, the sustainment pace. Um, you know, we saw it through our last rotation here. Uh, the unit did a great job uh, with it, um, you know, about halfway through the rotation. Once they started dealing with uh, really what was getting them was like uh, all the meetings occurring at the BSA and realizing that that's a prime target for especially chemical strikes and stuff like that. So um, they did a great job of implementing it and actually having to run through it, uh, not only because of chemical strikes, but then, you know, the enemy denying them upper TI and stuff like that. Uh, and it's something that, you know, having done um, NTC rotations myself, I, I hadn't seen it. Uh, so, I think it's something that it, it depends on the unit and where they've come from, but it's it's definitely, as you said, critical to it. Um, the struggle I think a lot of units have is that their uh, CTCPs might not have that upper TI capability. So, like you said, getting the the S6 involved and really working through that plan prior to showing up is is a, is a critical thing that I think gets hand waved a lot. Yeah, you know, that that don't be afraid to take the maintenance meeting out of the spo shop. Don't be afraid to go down to the line, you know, pick one of your maneuver battalions again, even in garrison. Right. And and, and kind of build that trust and that understanding that, hey, you know, it, it's it, it, I, I think that you I think that you'd find, uh, you know, you'll find the sustainment community much more approachable from your maneuver bre maneuver brethren. Uh, if we kind of extend the olive, olive branch and don't make everybody come to us all the time. Uh, and, and so, again, looking for opportunities to really get out uh, and, and, and and do things outside of uh, either our motor pool, our conference room, you know, do a maintenance meeting, you know, take the SPO out to a gunnery and conduct a maintenance meeting. If it just happens to be, you know, one of your battalions conducting a gunnery, do it out there where you've got your D sets, you know, assuming you put your D sets out for, for uh, a gunnery. Um, but if you do that stuff in garrison, there's an understanding and a trust that, you know, that you can do these types of things, especially in a tactical environment. I would tell you that, you know, going to a, going to a UMCP uh, and conducting a maintenance meeting, is probably a heck of a shorter drive for those other maneuver battalion XOs to get to whoever's, whoever's UMCP you pick uh, than coming all the way back to the BSA. Uh, and so, again, don't be afraid to get in a Humvee and drive. Uh, you know, I tell battalion commanders that all the time. Uh, if you can push stuff forward, decentralize it a little bit from the BSA and get it out closer to the point of impact or point of need, you know, not only will your maneuver brethren appreciate it, they're going to be more likely to participate uh, and, and, and come prepared to, 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 to discuss. Uh, so, you know, possible TTP there. Uh, again, there's no set answer here, folks. Again, every everyone on this on the chat, everybody here 
you know, your situation may or may not be the same. But what I would tell you is we've got to be creative uh, and get out of our comfort zone that we've built, you know, within the confines of our brick and mortar buildings, uh, you know, get in the vans, get in the tents, you know, get expeditionary and, and, and get out and do things that we've got to do uh, forward. Uh, and again, build that trust uh, and, and kind of extend that that olive branch uh, to our maneuver brothers and sisters. So. Okay, hey, so I, I've got three daughters. I like dad jokes. Don't be afraid to think outside the box. Ha ha, right? Um, not just a bad NTC pun, uh, but but again, how are we, we've already kind of touched base with it a lot here in some of our discussions, but, you know, different is not bad. Uh, you know, I, I think I saw, so Major Kiernan, who's the uh, XO for the 11th ACR here at Fort Irwin, you know, rotating meeting locations during rotation outside, you know, get out, do things different. You will gain a perspective uh, that you don't traditionally see by having everything done at, at, at one common location throughout. The, you know, you might see that overhead lift at, you know, at, at, at you know, one of your supportive battalions uh, has been down and, you know, they're only executing stuff off 88s. And that's, you know, that's a problem, something that you can take a look at resourcing. Um, uh, and then in a field environment, again, get out, get in the dirt. So we've already talked throughout the, you know, throughout the, the our time so far on the expeditionary mindset, but again, you know, if I could go, if I could do, uh, you know, some of my battalion time over, I would, I would probably put every every one of my commodity shops and a lot of my folks uh, out either outside of a building in the motor pool and run lines, you know, from, you know, from their from their telephone lines and Ethernet out to the vans uh, and then kind of graduate them to actually executing in the dirt for a little bit you know a much larger period of time than we did um or just push stuff out uh, you know in, in support of operations a little bit different here in the 11th because you know we, we support the op four and the rotations but i would tell you if you're a battalion commander or a field grade uh at a bsb you know just start thinking about getting those sets and reps uh, as close to the environment you're going to be expected to operate in, because if you're not, uh, the, you know, the growing pains that you have uh, will be significant. Now, we do have expeditionary RSO and I set up here at NTC now, as well as I, I believe JMRC, you've got something like that. And I think JRTC wrote about they've been doing kind of expeditionary RSO and I uh, in some way, shape or form uh, for some time. Um, that builds you a little bit of extra buffer room for training uh, on the front end of before you get into force and force. Uh, but at that point, you know, hopefully you're looking at happy to glad or maybe getting after some critical stuff like night drivers training that you may not get to do as well as you'd want back at home station. Uh, but you can't expect to go wholesale, you know, you're, you're not going to go from a P to a T uh, during ERSO and I on pretty much anything. And so, again, how are we building those reps? I, I know we're probably undermanned in our com, you know, our 25 manning it might be a little bit underwhelming uh but i will tell you if you don't dedicate time uh back at home station uh you're not going to get it at ntc or a ctc uh and, and you will be on the struggle bus uh from day one uh, if you can't talk you're camping uh you know i know that's an, an, an old quote attributed to a bunch of senior leaders um but you've got to get it down to the low, lowest level filling a radio is a 10 level task you know, it should not take a 25 series uh, or a warrant officer uh, to go around and fill a radio, to change a frequency, to, to turn on your JBCP or JCR. You know, those guys should be doing kind of the graduate level work for you. Uh, and if you're not cross training, you know, 88s and 92s and 91s 
uh, to work comms, you know, basic comm systems. You're never going to get your 25s working on the stuff you need to, working on HF, getting, you know, fixing JCR transceivers, all, all the larger level stuff that they're really supposed to do. Uh, if that one poor E4, who's your one high-speed 25 series, is running around uh, filling radios for, t you know, 12 hours a day, or that convoy's not going to kick out uh, because they dropped fills and they don't know how to refill their radios, or even worse, you're going to kick them out because you don't want to miss SP, and then they get in trouble out there and you don't have the means to communicate with them. Cannot understate the importance of communications. Effective pace plan, training at the 10 level, uh, and verifying. And look, we, we've all heard the stories of Motor Pool Monday where you don't, you know, you do your 5988, you do your test drive, you maybe get out of, you know, you dispatch, you do, you know, you do your, do your five to 10 mile drive. Uh, and then while you're out there, you, you know, you, you have to key your mic in and actually talk to a CP and validate your, your communications platforms. Uh, please take a look at that type of stuff because that, uh, that level of training, something as simple that you can knock out on a Monday morning will, will pay dividends on the back end. Uh, look, battle rhythm and processes, we, we kind of hit a lot of that already. Uh, what I would tell you is, again, get uncomfortable. Do things differently. See what works. It may not. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, you've got to get out from a hard stand building. Uh, I, I can't I can't hammer that enough. Hey, don't forget the CSSB, right? You know, we, we spent a lot of time focusing on, on the BSB and the FSCs. Uh, but I'll tell you, with the transition to the DSB and the DSSB, you know, we got to get those CSSBs a little bit more tactically focused. You know, they're used to kind of the long haul MSR Tampa stuff, you know, from Iraq or maybe some round robin stuff or, you know, some, you know, crispy yard type things uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, but when you get out here, these guys are running the roads and, you know, we can provide a ton of opportunities for the CSSB and the sustainment brigade to get involved uh, and get some training as well. Uh, and so if you're going to the field, you know, maybe maybe you work with them to conduct a ROM. Right. Maybe you work with them uh, to push your fuel out to the Alpha Company at a, at a specific point, and then you guys move to the to wherever your your training is, or the gunnery, or, or you know whatever event you've got going on. Uh, how do you work? You know, utilization of LNOs. You know, is it something you can work at home station? You know, maybe a couple of days a week during specific meetings, or even you build a habitual relationship uh, with a CSSB LNO, or you send somebody up. And have some cross kind of discussions, LPDs, uh, or, or get on the same type of terrain and just just have a discussion uh, on how you guys support each other, what your capabilities are, uh, and what can actually come out. Um, practice how you fight. Again, that kind of goes without saying. You know, if you don't operationalize what you're doing at home station, don't expect any different when you get out to a training environment. Uh, you know, we have time and I know it's easy for me to say it because I'm out at the National Training Center. Uh, we just have to we have to make it a little bit harder with the time we have uh, and it gets back to operationalizing that training and, and then the more nodes. Right. So set everything up. Don't run from a motor pool. Don't don't you don't don't let the FSC support gunnery without sending an FTCP rep into your SPO shop. Don't let them get away without setting up a CTCP. You know, set all these nodes up in a garrison, and, you know, while you're back at garrison and, and figure out the comms issues and who's doing what and where the reports are going to. If I had a dollar every time we had log stack concerns because the S4s were sending it to the brigade S4, the FSC commanders were sending it to the, to the SPO. And for some reason, whether it was version control or I didn't save it right, you know, two different reports made it. So you, you got to work out who's doing what to who. Uh, and you can't really do that unless you've actually set up and executed all these nodes uh, at tempo, at pace, you know, in the, in the dirt.
Hey, sir, Tom Blasky again. Just curious, uh, any attempts and possible success at base cluster type operations that you've seen? So base clusters. Um, I know it's in doctrine. I know we talk about it. My, you know, my concern is when you look at how much manpower and how many resources it takes to sustain and secure the BSA. Um, if you if you're looking at it from the perspective of I'm going to take multiple companies, kind of put them at distance, you know, get that, you know get them distributed and use that dispersion as a force protection measure to, to you know protect against a large artillery attack yes potentially if we were in a in parker's opinion here you know large-scale combat operations moving relatively quickly i think you could do that because you're not going to have to worry about um you know you, the speed in which you're conducting operations is also a means of, of force protection uh but when you start talking about okay i've got to i've got to carry five different you know ubls of class uh, class four you know i've got to provide security uh, for each of these different base clusters uh, i've got to have the communications piece between all of them they all have to work uh, and then i've got you know i would tell you that i think uh, if it's not rehearsed uh, it's not something i'd go in cold on um, because again from a force protection standpoint from a communication standpoint it will it will it'll require additional resourcing uh, and a much better understanding of you know the, the the mission command perspective the c2 node perspective who's in charge of what um and again you can do it uh, i haven't seen it i haven't seen it rehearsed i haven't seen it you know kind of laid out in a way that clearly articulates what the requirements are uh and, and so it, you know it'd be something that i think would be interesting to try and garrison in a field environment but you've got to look at all the force protection requirements, class four uh, gun trucks. You know, the maneuver guys give us a little bit of grief about, you know, hey, you all you got to do is defend yourselves. Well, you know, if I had tanks, I'd put them in a circle too and call that a day. Um, so how do we get after that? It's something that we've got to have a serious discussion about because a lot of folks like to just say, oh, well, we're going to try base clusters uh, without really understanding, you know, the repercussions potentially uh, you know what happens if Bravo Company gets taken out because they're on a, they're out on a you know on your far side in their own little cluster, uh, or do the FSCs come with enough uh, you know enough assets to protect themselves and concurrently conduct operations? So we're kind of danged if we do, danged if we don't. As far as the you know the BSA, you know you don't want all the FSCs back there. You kind of want to balance the requirement with the FTCPs. Uh, but how do you protect yourself? So well, somebody push back on me on that. I'm curious. Uh, hey, sir, team, uh, Major Jim Hubbard here, Goldminer03. Uh, so another way uh, to look at base clusters, uh, one thing that we see a lot of is uh, the brigade support area, uh, the brigade engineer battalion's AO, uh, and maybe uh, the maneuver battalion in which uh, the support area is, is hanging out in. Uh, th those nodes will be very close to each other. Um, I mean, there, there's been times I've been sitting at the support area. I've looked across the MSR 300 meters away, and I'm, I'm seeing the entirety of the engineer battalion sitting there and absolutely zero coordination going on between the BSB and the BEB uh, about how to turn their two spots, if you will, into uh, kind of like battalion level base clusters 
and and be mutually supporting of each other when it comes to force protection. Uh, so definitely difficult to do at the company level, uh, but maybe if we uh, take Zero Seven's advice, get some exercise at it at home, and then even elevate our thinking a little bit to, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna set up pretty close to the bed, and then we're gonna be in uh, pick a battalion's AO, and and their uh, battalion main CP is another hundred meters away. Uh, maybe we could cross coordinate and uh, help defend each other uh, simultaneously. Over. Any other takes? Uh, again, you know, base clusters is one of those things. Again, looks great, makes perfect sense. Distribute what you can, you know, disperse, uh, increases survivability. Uh, but again, when you start getting into the brass tacks of it all, you know, how if you're resourced and you're rehearsed, you know, I think you could, I think it's feasible. Uh, but it, you know, coming to a CTC and saying, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna set up, you know, four or five kind of clusters without thinking through the process is a little bit problematic. Sir, it's Major Jagish, uh, Forcecom G3. Um, so I know base clusters is more of a, a physical security, um, but in, I'm working the cyber readiness framework with HQDA, and a lot of our discussion is minimizing the electromagnetic footprints of units. Um, but what are your thoughts on instead of minimizing the electromagnetic footprints of units but rather creating false footprints by flooding networks or um, creating false nodes whereas to prevent the enemy from then targeting um, a smaller specific footprint where they know a hq would be or a unit would be um, instead of you know within a blob of a false footprint electromagnetic wise so i am so glad you went that route because um you know some conversations we've had in different forums um and i'll keep in mind the classification of this um but but absolutely you know i i think when you look at you know our reliance on our on our on our systems on our communication systems the upper ti and all that you know, the the notion that we are going to be able to, you know, execute spectrum discipline in the manner to which uh, we can use it as a force protection measure. You know, we're certainly not there now. Um, and, you know, given the requirements that we have to communicate on the battlefield, you know, my opinion is that exactly what you said. You know, if you're able to, instead of minimizing, potentially flood it so we're, you know, a, a TAA, uh, and the BSA and, and PAAs for the fires battalion, if they're indiscernible, uh, and you, you know, when you look at the EM spectrum, it now becomes something that just looks like a big blob. Now, again, keeping in mind the classification, you know, the way, you know, the way they look at these things, you know, a lot of the systems that are out there can, can delineate between a cell phone, between, you know, the different types of systems we have, uh, and coming from the op four side, you know, a lot of that stuff is in practice here, uh, and they will give you a, a, a readout of, of what your spectrum and what your footprint looks like. I know there was an article published about 18 to 24 months ago uh, where my old boss uh, kind of, you know, showed a picture and kind of referenced what the 11th ACR was doing to replicate, you know, that the, the Ukrainian scenario, right? Uh, the, the brigade that was taken out by Russian artillery just by utilization of uh, EM spectrum and cell phones. Um, you know, the OP4 now is actually setting up false CPs for the Blue 4 to try and target, uh, and, and they're doing that in some capacity now. Um, you know, I, I think you're, if you can't beat them, join them in, in the sense of absolutely, if there is a way to flood it 
uh, and provide us the ability to not simply minimize uh, our spectrum, but minimize the ability uh, for the enemy to target based on you know flooding that spectrum and having that that look be something that they can't discern between you know a cell phone or you know whatever else is out there. Absolutely, because I I, I don't we're so reliant on technology. I don't think you know as much as we want to go to analog and as much as we say hey we can do you know directional antennas and uh, you know only turn things on at this time and only push them you know the, we can't even get log stats submitted you know and so. Uh, you know, realistically, I think I'm glad I'm glad to hear you, you, you know, you say that because I, I think that potentially provides a much more viable route for us to work on survivability than saying, hey, I need you guys to execute spectrum discipline because uh, it, it's it's really tough. Uh, and I know, you know, in a, in a training environment like NTC, JMR, JMRC or JRTC, you know, cell phones and all that, but, uh, you know, people have them even though they're not supposed to. It's 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 just it's it's one of those things that you know we're going to have to wrestle with and and we've seen it in in all the different areas we're fighting with you know in the Middle East and uh, and in application uh, you know in in other theaters you know specifically Russia and, and Ukraine so no absolutely flood it do what we can uh, and I've heard that I've heard a couple of folks talk about it in, in, you know in the you know the think differently uh, component of all this set up repeaters do something put it at every single node flood it as much as you can so we're not targetable at least uh, as much as we are currently so uh going back to the uh base clusters uh i've seen it a couple times here at jrtc um but due to the terrain constraints it usually ends up being just a giant bsa that's now double the size of what it would have been if they were just stuck with a basic bsa uh and even while they're still basically together, uh, they do have that lack of communication between the quote unquote clusters, uh, which led to some issues with their security whenever Op 4 hit uh, one particular location, uh, one fighting position engaged, and it wasn't very well communicated across the force. So I absolutely agree that it has to be practiced beforehand. Uh, the BSBXO that was executing didn't even feel good about the uh, the way they were set up, and I don't think it was what he fully intended to do, but uh, terrain always has a say in uh, how you set up your base clusters. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I know, you know, between the three CTCs, I know we, we've all got pretty pretty varying terrain, um, even even out here where you can tuck into a wadi and and you know and and, and use you know stuff like the whale or a porta potty wadi or you know that to your advantage, um, it it's got to be thought through and synchronized. And again, you know terrain helps and then terrain hurts. How are you going to get retrans? How are you going to communicate? How are you going to synchronize all that stuff? So, um, I I think it's something that we as a as a sustainment community look. There, there's a couple of topics out there, and you know as we you know as we move these things along uh, and hopefully have some more discussions in the future, you know I think there's a couple of a uh, real hot button topics that we've got to figure out. Um, you know for protection. You know it's always a discussion on every forum you look at. I don't have enough mounts. I don't have enough pintles. I don't have enough 50 cows. Why can't I get a crow? Okay, well you know at some point we have what we have, but that doesn't mean we don't ask. Uh, and you know how do we how do we come to terms with what we have and how we're going to fight it uh and then you know looking at um you know looking at how we're going to st structure ftcps right where are my ft where are my fscs is it 60 40 is it 50 50 is it 30 70 you know 
all these types of discussions it can be met TC and I, and I got that, uh, but we've got to come to some sort of agreement and understanding moving forward uh, on, on what uh, on what this looks like uh, because doctrine kind of touches it, but do there you know there is no FM seven eight for sustainment that I've seen. You know, you've got 490, you've got the 490.4 and all the other ones that are coming in. Uh, but we don't have, you know, the level of fidelity in some of the system, some of the, the processes and the doctrinal uh, things that we've got to execute in order to be sustainers. So we've got to continue these discussions. We've got to write about it and then we've got to push it up to CASCOM and the folks up there so we can hopefully codify some of this stuff uh, and, and get it away from just a TTP and a best practice to a doctrinal practice. Uh, and then we're deviating based on METTC. Um, so, you know, FTCPs, force protection, uh, you know, and then on the larger scale, uh, I kind of hit it earlier, the DSB and the DSSB, you know, we're never going to probably go back to a DISCOM, but, you know, what is the sustainment brigade commander's role now in, you know, training and validating sustainment, sustainment training in a division? Uh, you know, does that sustainment brigade now help get QTBs from BSB commanders and validate that that pr systems and processes are standardized across a division as we transition from a BCT centric fight to a division level fight? You know, what is the role of that senior sustainer in the division? Uh, and then what do we owe at the BSB and the FSC level to help facilitate, you know, some sort of structure and understanding of how we're executing across the board? So. You know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, you know, and, and I'm glad to see the engagement going on in multiple forums across the force. Um, so training focus areas, look, we're, I'm going to make these slides available to anyone that wants them. Um, you know, this is something that we provide out, you know, depending on who you are and where you're at. You know, this is kind of the four digit grid level of what we think you should kind of focus on. Uh, the sustainment one stop that CASCOM has is obviously a great resource. Uh, to uh, to share some of this and get into the weeds on this. Uh, but if you're looking for something to put in the back of your green book and, and you know try and help guide some some training opportunities, you know these are things that we're seeing uh, that, that 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 are really kind of high payoff uh, ticket items uh, that we can train uh, at echelon uh, to help you guys get better. Uh, you know there's a thousand different things we've got to do. Everything's a priority. Uh, but these are the ones that I think that we've seen. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we've got to do. And again, not a lot of time. So we have to maximize our time and use it, as, you, you know, be very resourceful as leaders um, to, to maximize this, to maximize what we do have. So. All right, it's open mic. Uh, who wants to go first? Who's got something they want to throw on the table? Sure, we got a Major Simpson. Ah, go for it. Oh, hey, how you doing? It's uh, actually Lieutenant Colonel Simpson out of First Cab. I have a question. I, I know we teased it, but I don't think we talked about the role of Charlie Med or um, I guess just operating with the Charlie Med um, as we talk base clusters, as we talk setting up the BSA. One of the many times I've been to NTC, um, I think our brigade just took control of uh, uh, Charlie Med and took it out of the BSB's responsibility. I don't know if you've seen different things. I don't know what you've seen has worked. What do you recommend? Oh. So we've seen, uh, honestly, uh, you know, since we got back into the business of doing rotations after the COVID hiatus, um, really roll ones, uh, ex you know, evacuation of casualties to roll one has really been the highest that's been played out here uh, because roll two has been kind of dedicated on kind of COVID response. A lot of contact tracing, a lot of transport, like transport back and forth. Uh, and so because we didn't want to cross-contaminate between uh, Roll 1 and Roll 2 on casualty evacuation, 
uh, a lot of uh, you know a lot of the adjudicated casualties we haven't necessarily seen that play. Uh, we are going to get into that heavily with our next rotation with three four, and we've also got a mortuary affairs platoon coming out, so we're going to get back in the business of doing that. Um, I have not seen the brigade take over Charlie Med. I, you know, traditionally, you know, from a base cluster standpoint, you're looking at you know again the same type of questions: how do they communicate? Charlie Med traditionally has pretty good comms, right? Most of the FLAs have, you know, or the one one threes have. Uh, JBCP, JCR in it. Uh, their FM tends to be a little bit better than than your average uh, BSB organization, uh, and their process is because they, they you know, they 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 are the one organization that does uh, kind of the same thing in garrison as they do uh, in the field, uh, albeit sometimes in a building or a clinic versus uh, you know in a field environment. But those systems and processes tend to be a little bit more rehearsed. Uh, and they're able to execute at a much higher level of proficiency. The convoy operations piece you got to look at, but uh, so hey, this uh, is uh, Goldmeyer two four Captain Nelson. Uh, maybe needing uh, some clarification on the question. Uh, but as far as brigade uh, pulling the roll two out, most commonly what we've seen is that yes, the roll two is getting pulled out, but generally that's BSB still supporting him. So the roll two is getting pulled out in addition to being with a flea construct and establishing that way or part of uh, essentially the coring party for the BSA future displacement, uh, if that answers your question, sir. No, it, so it definitely answers my question because like I said, I know uh, before COVID was, uh, was, a, was a requirement in terms of considerations, the big thing was uh, decreasing the diet of wounds rate. So uh, what we try to do is we try to, you know, close the distance as it were, um, put the BSB, um, BSB was too far back. Um, so they want to try to put Charlie Med a little bit closer to kind of cut that, cut that rate down. So I just, I mean, obviously that was one way of doing it. I just want to see if there were other ways that possibly were a little bit better so we can, so we can train back here as we will then fight over. So we have seen the, the roll two get pushed as far forward as a flea, you know, one to two terrain features back behind uh, the CTCPs uh, of the maneuver units. Um, you know, that's a way. Um, you know, one unit even took the dentist that far forward. And, and so I know there's some concern with splitting that capability. You know, what do you get, you know, from a patient hole to a patient, you know, to, to an evac uh, capability if, if you split Charlie Med? Uh, generally, I know you don't tr traditionally want to do that. Uh, but again, died of wound rates, uh, I want to say they're anywhere between 40 and 50% on average out here. Uh, and that's something that I know our 40 channels, the sergeants, majors, uh, and the two four teams are, you know, heavily coaching again, a way, but it's, it's one of those things it's, it's, it's gotta be deliberate and there's gotta be a decision made on, on what we're doing because again, you know, breakdown time, roll two going down, you know, how are we, it's much like the SSA. It's one of those, it's one of those nodes. Uh, you have to treat very deliberately from a communications perspective and a capability perspective. And then where are you echeloning it on the battlefield uh, and how are you protecting it and all those types of things. Um, and so 100 different ways to look at it, 100, you know, a dozen different ways to get, to get it right. Uh, but the deliberate planning and the deliberate decision between the, the, the brigade surgeon, understanding the operational picture, understanding the time distance factors, you know, are, do you have aviation available? You know, are you evacuating from point of injury? Are they going back to the AXP? Are they evacuating from the roll one? And then what does that look like for the roll two uh, and their ability to conduct operations in a timely manner? So I, I hope that kind of helps and it wasn't just a bunch of, you know, kind of word speak. Um, 
No, it was good. I appreciate it. Okay, team, what else do we got? Any other questions? So uh, our social media and outreach. Look, we've got the we've got our Facebook page, we've got our Twitter page. Uh, you know, uh, at, at the uh, Podbean site. You know, the the exit interviews we currently have posted are the BSB commander, the XO, the two, the three, and the maintenance tech. We're getting ready to put one up for a sustainment brigade commander off a division level rotation that'll help provide some insights if you're a CSSB or a sustainment brigade rep. Uh, we've got a couple of paper topics that are coming up more, uh, and we're going to do a better job of pulling some of our older. Um, our older uh, oils and, and paper topics uh, that we uh, have put together and um, share that with the force. Uh, we want to try and do these kind of open call uh, sessions a little bit more frequently, uh, trying to do one at least once a month. Uh, what I'd ask is either reach out to my point of contact, uh, Captain Longo, uh, or hit us up either via uh, direct message on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, if there's anything specific you want to see, uh, tons of tons of uh, experts here. Uh, we can pull in if you've got something specific that may be a little, you know, off the beaten path. If we need to pull in some of our maneuver brothers and sisters uh, from other teams, you know, specifically to the BEB, specifically to the CAV squadron, specifically to the fires battalion, uh, absolutely willing to do that. We want to try and have have you know an engaging discussion uh, for the force across the board, uh, or if you just want us to, hey, I need, can, can you get me a couple of guys that I can help, you know, augment an, uh, an LPD uh, or just, you know, listen in on something and provide some context on what we've seen or just get into a concept, conceptual discussion on, you know, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Walk me through the pros and cons. Uh, completely amenable to doing all of those things. All you have to do is reach out and ask. Um, and like I said, we will look at uh, doing another one of these here in another couple of weeks. Uh, unless there's any last minute questions, Hey, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for uh, for logging on. Please pass the word. We're going to keep doing this. The more folks we can get on, the better discussion I think we can have. Uh, and I appreciate everybody's time. So uh, that's it for this. And I appreciate you guys chiming in. The views and opinions expressed during this interview do not necessarily reflect or conform to the latest in Army and logistics doctrine. Please consult the appropriate doctrine for yourself and train the force.